It begins in Orlando, Florida and travels steadily to the West, beaming across North America and planet Earth and into your head. The world of safety never stops. And now, the Safety FM podcast and broadcast with Dr. Jay Allen. This episode of the broadcast and the podcast is brought to you by Safety Focus Moments. They're consultants that want to help you get the safety culture you've been looking for. For more information, go to safetyfocusmoment.com. Well, hello and welcome to Safety FM. (laughs) So today is going to be a little bit different. We're coming to you live, 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 live from a backyard here in good old Orlando, Florida. I probably should really say Oviedo, Florida. And I am with Ray Fisher from Fisher Improvement Technologies. Ray, how are you? I'm great, Jay. Thanks for asking. How are you, my man? Fantastic. I appreciate you actually taking the time. I know that you're down here for other reasons, but definitely I'm glad that you took the time for us to actually be able to have the conversation today. So, as you are here in Florida, I appreciate you letting me torture you. I wanted to get you on. I know that I was up at your at your organization, I want to say about a month ago, um, up in good old North Carolina, and really wanted to sit around and have the conversation with you of, how is it working with Rob Fisher, and how does it feel being Rob Fisher's brother? I mean, there's so many things we can go into, because I am sure that when people look at your Facebook, not your Facebook, but your LinkedIn posting, the similarities on how close you guys look, you must get confused from time to time in regards when people see you go, hi, Rob. And you're like, no, I'm Ray. Yeah. You know, it, uh, for, for one, it, it's great being Rob's brother. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't ask for a better brother, to be honest. Um, he's, he's been my hero for as long as I can remember. I've followed in his footsteps a lot, not really knowing that that's what I was doing, but you're absolutely right. Uh, I do get confused with, with Rob quite a bit. I mean, the name is three letters. They both start with A and they end with the same last name. So uh-huh. there's that. Um, but even when uh, even when I go do even when I go do talks, so I was given a, I was giving a, a talk at an organization that Rob had a bunch of friends in that I was really unaware, except for one of them. And then when I got back. Rob told me, hey, when you were up there giving, giving your talk, uh, I kept getting all these text messages of, man, this guy looks like you, and he sounds like you. It's not really you, Rob, but he says the same things you say. So, you know, in my mind, I can't think of a better compliment, to be honest, because it can be kind of tough being the guy that tries to come in behind the thought leader that is kind of the, the master of human performance. He's been in the he's been in it for so long. He's been in the space, and to to try to fill those shoes is tough. But but Rob gave me some good advice, and he said, "Don't try to be Rob. Be Ray, and be the best Ray that you can be." So I've taken that to heart and really started to go down that path. So Ray, let me ask, how did it start for you? How did the journey start? Because I would assume, you know, Rob was already doing part of this. And I don't think that you started off at the same timeline that he did. Or am I incorrect in, in thinking that? Oh, no, you're not incorrect at all. Um, you know, there was a time where we were completely separated and didn't really have um, didn't really have contact as much contact with one another as we probably should have as brothers. 
Um, be that as it may, it is what it is. It was what it was. We've gotten past all that. Um, we took very separate paths to get where we are today, to be on the same road, down the same, on the same journey to improving companies and lives. Um, I took off. I went in the Navy. He joined the Navy in 1975 or 76. I'm 12 years older than me, so I was just a young kid at the time. Didn't even really realize it, but I kind of just wanted to get out of the situation that I was in. So the Navy was a good escape. So I went in the Navy, and I went into aviation. So I worked on multiple different types of aircraft, which I thoroughly enjoyed doing. And then as soon as I got out of the Navy, I got a job doing that same thing, um, just on another, just in another hangar on the same base as a civilian. And then I got a call to go work on um, conveyor systems for the postal distribution centers. They were putting these high-speed high transport and processing equipment in the postal distribution centers, and they were using technical and project management savvy people to help run these projects in these big warehouses and distribution centers. And then that project kind of abruptly came to an end, and I went over into a supply chain consulting firm, and about six years into that gig, I hooked back up with Rob. We were both out on the West Coast, and uh, it was pretty eerie. We met back up with one another, and uh, we went to a restaurant, and we ordered the same meal. And then we just started talking. We were using the same deodorant, the same toothpaste. <laughs> and, and as you well said earlier, we look alike, and people look at us and say, man, are you guys twins? No, there's 12 years difference between us, but thank you. <laughs> so, and, uh, so I started talking to Rob about what he did and what he had been doing. And I said, well, I'd like to learn that. So I started learning a little bit about what he started implementing those concepts into my project management and got really good at bringing my projects in under budget and on schedule. And my company was asking me how I was able to do it. So I said, well, I'm reducing errors by teaching people when to recognize when an error is going to happen. He said, huh, that's interesting. I said, we should really think about training all of our project managers in this to let them know that that's what can be done. He said, yeah, that really won't work in, our, in what we do. I said, um, it's already working. Hello, mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing. That's why these projects are making it that way. Well, yeah, so we just kind of had a values mismatch. So for years, I would never ask my big brother for a job. And my big brother says he would never ask me to come work for him to make it look like he was giving his little brother a job. So we just kind of had that thing. And then eventually we just swallowed our pride one day and said, hey, why don't we work together? And, you know, Jay, ever since then, I was never the guy that, thought I would be doing things in a manner that would help so many people. But the outreach that we, that we have mm-hmm. with what we do and with what you do is phenomenal. And it's, I mean, it really, it really gets you in the feels when you realize the impact that you have on people's lives. Now, I have to ask you, you did leave a 
pretty big company to actually come and join your brother. I'm not going to mention him by name because you haven't mentioned it, so I'm not going to mention him. But it's a pretty big company, and you were willing to take that risk at the time to come and join. And I'm not going to say that your brother's company is a mom-and-pop shop, but at the time, I'd imagine it's kind of a, a smaller organization, and, of course, it's grown quite a bit over the last few years. So how does it... How did you make that determination? How did you and your family say, okay, this is going to be the move that we're going to make? Yeah, you know, um, it was uh, it I mean, was kind in, of in scale, um, and let me kind of backtrack. I apologize. In scale, in comparison to this giant conglomerate that you're working for at the time, that's what I mean, that it's that's your brother's company is a smaller company. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no doubt about it. Um, I just felt that the growth opportunity that I had with moving on after having the conversation with the company that I did work for, you know, I, I had a conversation with them. I said, look, this is what I'm thinking about doing. They said, oh, well, you know, we can match what you're going to get paid. I said, it's not really about that money. I said, the growth opportunity that I have with where I'm going versus where I am today far outweighs the financial piece. And just in case you're wondering what that noise is in the background, we are in Florida, as I did state at the very beginning, and it is starting to pour where we're at, but we're going to continue on. So the money was not the thing. It was actually the opportunity of actually growing with the organization. Now, you did back when you were actually talking a little bit ago, you said there was a gap between the relationship between you and Rob for a period of time. How long are we talking? How many years? Ballpark, of course, I'm not asking for exact numbers. Yeah, I mean, I got to say, Jay, it was probably... 10 or 11 years where we didn't we didn't talk regularly okay. i mean we caught up every now and again but it wasn't a it wasn't a hey let's go spend a weekend or something like that together when i finally moved down to when i moved to florida in 2001 uh we finally started doing these little trips with my dad and our other brother. So we we would do guys golf trips where we started going play. We started to go play golf all around the country. We were trying to work our way through the top 100 courses in the oh, United wow. States. <laughs> That's so, fine. Yeah. So I so as you decide to go ahead and make this move after so many years of not speaking with your brother, then the relationship starts again. So now you and Rob are doing good. Then, Ray, how do you decide that this is going to be the move that's going to be worth your while? I know that you're saying because of the growth opportunity, but you're taking a gamble besides it on yourself. You're taking a gamble on the company. Yeah. Um, I just, once I got into, once I got more knowledge about what it was that was being done by his organization and also understanding that, he wanted to grow his organization and he wanted to, he wanted it to continue after he was gone. So there was kind of a succession piece of who, who are we going to have step in and be the next Rob, you know, who's going to be able to carry the torch forward and prolong that legacy that he's worked so hard to build. Well, and I think it's interesting because I know that we're sitting here and we're talking quite a bit about Rob, but Ray, you yourself, you are a voice. I mean, you have a voice that people are starting to hear more and more of. And I, and I kind of chuckle as I say this because your name's on the door, intentionally, not intentionally, all at the same time. So there has to be an area of pride because of the combination of both things. 
So as you moved forward with this whole thing and you look at how human performance has helped and how it's changing and some people are considering this new and I think I, I kind of smile when I say that because depending on who you speak to, it's 25 or 30 years old. I don't, I don't necessarily consider that new, but some people are looking at this as a new concept. So as you look at it and you decided to put your life's work into this with what you're building off of what your brother had already established and then you kind of doing your own branch of it, why did you decide that this was going to be the correct path on doing, I guess, this virginality of safety? Yeah, you know, it was, uh, it was through a lot of conversation with Rob and then I had some self-reflection of, I really, I really think that I can be that next guy. And we're starting to, we're starting to see some of that because there are some things that, that as Fisher Improvement Technologies gets asked to do, Rob is but one person. And some of those dates overlap. So who's the next guy that's going to go, who's the next guy that's going to go do it? Well, it's got to be me initially. And that's how we're starting to get Ray's name out in the space as well. In fact, you know, there's another funny story. We were working with a client. We were doing this stuff. We were doing this web series online with this this big company. And I was the guy that was doing it. And then they were doing a face-to-face. And the project director and sponsor asked Rob if he would come down. So Rob shows up down there. And all the people were like, hey, where's Ray? Mm-hmm. Like, Ray's the guy we've been talking to. And Rob's like, I own the company. They're like, yeah, that's great. Nice to meet you. But where's Ray? <laughs> <laughs> so it was kind of, you know, that shift is kind of starting to happen. And, and as it as it turns out, you know, safety, you know, Todd says it best that it's not the absence of events, but the presence of defenses in all of your other systems, the presence of defenses in your people, your processes, the equipment programs, work environment, in the organization, all of those defenses in those, that's what safety is. And how do we teach people to recognize when they have a, have a lack of defense or a flaw in the defense of those systemic elements? They have to be educated on that. And that, uh, that education has to come in a form that the people can, can accept it and, and you know, I'm going to toot my own horn a little bit here and say that I've gotten pretty good at delivering that methodology for people to start to recognize when there's a flaw in those defenses. And we're speaking with Ray from, from Fisher Improvement Technologies. Now, Ray, I, you and I had this conversation when I was visiting your location up in North Carolina. I want to say this here in, to the general public as they're listening, too. I believe that the concept that Fisher Improvement Technologies is much different than some of the other hop aspects that are out there. And what do I mean by that? I'm talking more along the lines that I feel that it kind of fills some of the gaps that some of the other hop approaches takes. I, I know that it, when you have the conversation about hop, a lot of people want to talk about, hey, it's a philosophy and so on. I kind of feel that the way that you guys go about it, it fills those gaps in. And this is where something that you guys call e-colors plays a factor. Can you tell the audience a little bit about that? Yeah, that, that's a that, that's a great segue, Jay. Appreciate that. Um, so the e-colors is a, a personality styling that's based around the same things that the Myers-Briggs is based on, but what Equilibria has done 
with the e-colors is they've mapped all these data points to how and why, how people get hurt, um, what makes it difficult for people to stop and seek out help. So they asked these pointed questions and all of those answers got filled out through taking their personality diversity indicator through Equilibria. Because, you know, Rob knew all along there was something missing from the standard um, human performance science. He knew personalities had a play in it, but couldn't quite put his finger on it because most of those other personality stylings teach you about communication, but none of them teach you about what you would do in the moment. And that's kind of what we've done with the e-colors is we've, we've been able to map the e-colors to the error traps in human performance. So a doer personality, what leads them to get stressed? We know what that is by asking those questions through the, through the PDI because we know that different people with different personalities see and manage risk differently. Now, if somebody does not familiar with some of the acronyms, what does PDI exactly stand for? PDI is the Personality Diversity Indicator. Okay. And does the E and the E color stand for equilibrium? Is that what it stands for? It does. For? It okay. stands for equilibrium, okay. yeah. And so then as you looked at this and you went, okay, this is different, how would you actually, if you were talking to somebody who knows about, let's say, quote-unquote, hop, but doesn't understand the difference between the Fisher Improvement Technology portion and what a standard app practitioner. Because where I get a little hung up on is when somebody turns around and goes, oh, yes, I am a hop consultant now. I went to a three-day training. And they really think that they can run out and set the world on fire by doing a three-day training. And I'm talking about standard hop, you know, psychology, however you want to look at a philosophy. How does this actually, when you take a look at it, go, okay, this is how we differentiate and this is how you can get it to work? Yeah, so... Uh a lot of what's out there in the in the hop space is telling welcome you, back to the rain by the way just in case <laughs> yeah telling you what you got to go do these are the things that you got to go look for our approach is we've we've kind of been the practical application specialists in the hop space not only what you got to go look for but how you got to look for it how you have to do things why you have to do things and who has to do what things so our approach was developed from the floor to the ceiling, but we deliver it from the ceiling to the floor. Because if you don't have buy-in from that top leadership level and drive and support, just giving people in the field tools to use, all that's going to happen is when they don't use the tools, the people upstairs are just going to hold them accountable for not using the tools. So I know that when I was with you guys, like I said, back about a month ago, there's a lot of the words using as technology. You refer to what you teach as technology. Why the terminology of technology in particular for the e-colors and the Fisher Improvement Technologies? So our, uh, our vision is improving companies and lives through the creative application of new and existing technologies. Um, science is a, in, 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 a, in a form a technology and have to educate people on that science and then you have to teach them how to use it so tools are a form of technology so we not only have some physical tools that people have to use but there are also some electronic tools that that people can use so moving that technology now into the digital space because you know people coming out now they don't want a piece of paper in their hand right. they're like 
give it to me on a give it to me on my electronical device and uh, and and we'll and and we'll get ro- we'll get rolling. Well, I'll tell you some of the stuff that I was able to see, which I'm sure I'm not allowed to talk about, but it was very interesting on some of this the e-learning modules and some of the like the pocketbooks and the information that was covered um, in general of how the system actually works. Now, what do you normally see on the people that contact you? Are you seeing the C-suite people that are contacting you? Is it the general practitioners that end up contacting you and your organization and say, okay, we need your help? Or how does that normally come about? You know, it comes about in all forms and fashions, Jay. Really, it, it uh, there are times, so Rob may go to a, uh, a C-suite conference and speak, and then the C-suite guys contact us. If we go to, like we were just out at, NSC out in San Diego, beautiful San Diego. We just got back from there. You, and, you literally just got back too. Let's yeah. let, let's not you know <laughs> kind of hesitate. You got back late yesterday and then drove all the way here. So I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Um, but and so there they have mid level mid level safety managers or safety practitioners that that want to learn more, and those safety practitioners then can take the information and go to their upper management say look this is what i saw i really think we we should give it a go because they have a holistic approach and that that's really what we're after is that holistic approach to improve the entire organization we're talking about organizational performance improvement now when you sit around and you think about this whole concept of safety and hop and future improvement technologies what do you believe that a lot of people have a misunderstanding when it comes to safety because I'm sure you've seen so many different things, especially being in the naval space and also that very fancy company that you were with prior to going to Fisher Improvement Technologies, which is a very fancy company too. Let's yeah. let's not play it down there. What do you think that a lot of misconceptions are that you see from the general practitioners? You know, I think a lot of times, even with the, the people out on the floor, they look sometimes look at safety as something the organization is trying to do to them to maybe prevent them from doing their job to the best of their abilities. Oh, I always got to wear this PPE. Instead of it being something that the organization is giving to them to help them, it just, it's, I think it just has this, this negative slant to it that people think that safety is trying to tie people's hands from doing actual work. When in reality, I think the why behind it is to, is to help keep people safe and to give them things that allow them to be able to go home to their families at night. Now, do you feel that a lot, and I ask a lot about questions about feelings and a lot of people try to crucify me because it's like, you're a scientist. Why are you asking about feelings? But I always look at it and I go, do you look at this and go, if there is a culture change inside of an organization from the ground up and let's say from the top down, this would help facilitate some of the information that Fisher Improvement Technologies brings in? Yeah, I, I think it, I think it really does. You know, we have this uh, we have this approach called the, called the gear model, and it really starts with that leader leader knowledge. The leaders have to know. Look, people say it all the time. Sidney Decker said it that you know if I want to change someone's paradigm, I have to give them a better paradigm than the one that they're currently living in. But if I don't educate them on that new paradigm, they're not going to have any clue about it. And they're just going to say, I'm comfortable right here. I don't feel like changing just for the sake of changing, unless you can prove to me why I need to change. And again, you mentioned culture. 
you know, culture really changes one behavior at a time, and that change starts with the leadership. If that leader language and knowledge and behaviors don't change, nothing else is going to change. That's our belief. Well, and, and that's where we kind of get into some of these weird scenarios because I've realized more and more people that I get to interview is that safety is really a lot of a belief system is the way that I look at it. And I look at it that a lot of the people that are out there are to some extent evangelist on really on how it works because I'm not saying that one concept's better than the other, one's perfect, one's not, and so on. But it is a belief system on what you believe can work for the environment that you're in. So how was your paradigm able to shift? I know that you said that you did some general practice in some of the other organizations you were in, but how did you go, okay, I see the shift, now I can go out there and teach it? Yeah, you know, as as I learned more and more about it and actually started to use it, that's the thing. If people aren't going to use tools because you tell them to use a tool, but they will use the right tool the right way, a hammer can't always be used as a screwdriver and <laughs> vice versa. Right. Even though people say, hey, just use this tool. The tools have to mean something to the person using them. They have to see a value in it before they'll actually use it. So... Our approach is always to teach people that it doesn't, our system that surrounds the individual, it doesn't care whether you're at home, work, or play. Those systemic elements can impact that individual anywhere at any time. And how you respond to those impacts will change your outcome. Now, when you're going through this whole process, do you feel pressure because of your last name? And I know that's an odd question to ask you, but I think it's a legitimate question to be able oh, to it, ask. It's a very legitimate question, not odd at all. Um, early on, I I will tell you, I felt extreme pressure. In fact, um, our business partner within Equilibria, Lewis Sr., who's the CEO of Equilibria, used to tell me, Ray, when you talk, stop looking at Rob. Because I would look at Rob for acceptance of whether what I was saying was correct or not. And it took about a year before I would not do that anymore. And the first time that we got back together with our business partners, Lewis pulled me aside and and said, I just want to tell you I'm super proud of you because I didn't see you look at Rob one time any time that you spoke up. So, yeah, it did, it did weigh on me early on especially when I'm around other people in the, that have been in the safety industry for many years. And I have not. That was not my background. I was a, a mechanic, a electronics technician. Oh, you're so undercutting some of the stuff that you did, but I'll leave it <laughs> yeah. at that. <laughs> well, I mean, just saying. Right. I wasn't, I wasn't in the safety world outside of making sure that the people that I was in charge of weren't having safety incidents, but I wasn't a safety professional by trade. Now, do you feel that Rob for a period of time was overshadowing you? And I know that these are some very odd questions to be asking, but I think that it's, a, it's I think it's something that the audience would want to know because it's a different approach because there, once you get to know about Rob and Fisher Improvement Technologies, 
there's so much that Rob was involved in in the development of this whole human performance thing that a lot of people do not know. And once you start doing research, which I've done, yeah. uh, it's, it's just amazing to find out how much, how involved he actually was in the whole process. Yeah, I don't, I never, I never felt like uh, I was overshadowed by him. He always, he would always tell me, um, and this is a great personality lesson, uh, because my e-colors are green over red, and what that means is I'm a doing thinker. I like a lot of information, and then when I have the information I feel I need, I'm ready to go. But Rob would always tell me, hey, just, uh, just be creative with it. To me, that creative piece was really hard for me to get over because Rob's e-colors are yellow over blue predominantly. but He's very close on all four. And he has that creative, big-picture thinking type mentality where an idea pops in his head and boom, he can spit it out. For me, that's not Ray, naturally. I've had to manage those tendencies because I have a self-awareness now and I can do that. To where I've been able to now start to be a bit more creative and more big picture thinking. So, as you develop this bigger picture thinking, do you feel that if you went back and revisited how they actually do the deployment of the e-colors, that your colors might change? Or do you still think that you're kind of a, a little bit in the same scenario? No, I'm st- I would still be in the same scenario. I've just been able to, I've been able to manage it. Now, could I go and take the personality diversity? diversity indicator survey and manipulate the answers absolutely <laughs> but who am i who am i not being true to yourself myself so there's no point in that so right now if an organization wanted to contact you and get more information what would they need to go about doing in regards to learning more about the technology so they can go to uh, www.improvewithfit.com in fact if if they go to that website and then they click on the insights tab we have a lot of free downloadable content. Um, I know there are a ton of safety professionals out there that have to do these safety moments all the time and then having to rethink of a new one each and every day for their tailboards. There's a ton of free content on there on our insights page. And we can be contacted through there. There's an info at improvewithfit.com if people want to get more information. Now, I know that Rob ever so frequently puts out something called Rob Observations. Have you thought that maybe in the near future you're going to put out something similar where you're kind of ad- uh, adjusting or adapting or giving information to the people that are actually wanting to get more information from you? Yeah, absolutely. That that's something that uh, that's something that I've been being a top e color green <laughs> thinking about. Uh-huh. Um, I've got. I'm still trying to figure out a good catchy name like Observations. The other thing we have is, uh, so Observations are the things Rob sees out there. And then we have what's called philosophies, which are the ways that fit approaches certain problems and, and certain uh, methods within the hop space. So is there anything else that you would like to share with the audience that, they, that you feel that they need to know? You know, I, um, I think this. I think our world is is uh, is a great place. Can it be better? Absolutely. And and really, it boils down to people being better people. If we can be better people, we can make our planet a better place and uh, a more enjoyable place 
from ne- for now and for generations to come. Absolutely. I agree with that. Well, Ray, I do appreciate you coming on to Safety FM in the back of your yard. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, Jay. Thanks for having me. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.